Amen. Give God a praise. You can be seated. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here and excited to share with you this morning. I'm going to do something a, a little different. Not going to talk long this morning. You can inside you. Yes. <laughs> Lunch a little early. But I just want to encourage all of you for a moment on the subject or the principle or about faith. And as I was just sharing about fear and anxiety, I was praying this week and I just felt a, as a church that we need to come up against fear, anxiety. You know, I even think of things that stir fear and stir anxiety, stir hopelessness, stir despair. You know, a lot of us, we hear the Christmas song, we're jumping into Thanksgiving and the holidays, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But for a lot of us, honestly, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. And family, all the situations can stir fear, can stir anxiety. And I was looking and just studying and looking up some things about what causes fear, what causes anxiety. And how many of you know it's faith that is the opposition against it? Just in moments like we were just in, when we believe God can break chains, that giants can literally be slayed in the presence of God, that encourages your faith. You know, I was thinking uh, a lot of fear or anxiety that I've went through in my life. If you've ever been to school and you've taken out student loans, come on, the anxiety of when you get out and that six months on the other end and then you're paying that first check to the bank and trying to cover your student loans. And it, it was funny. As I was looking up statistics, just in that, the average college student will actually leave school anywhere from seventy dollars to $100,000 in debt. Now, that's a great way to start off, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but you look at a lot of statistics of a lot of young people getting out of school, big aspirations, trying to find the right job, trying to, am I going to rent, am I going to buy? And they're having to start off in such a deficit, and it begins to cause fear and anxiety. How am I going to make these payments, single income, all the things of how just finances can cause fear and anxiety in our lives. Here's a couple facts. It says anxiety affects a sufferer physically as well as mentally. If you've ever had anxiety, you can identify with that. Physical symptoms include panic attacks, shortness of breath, shaking, nausea, headaches, rapid heartbeat, dizzy spells, and more. You know, when I think of anxiety, you, um, get this choking effect begins to happen. And fear has a way of doing that in any area of our life. When it starts to choke up and don't know what to do. But how many of you know, again, that faith is the fuel to overcome fear? There's a couple other statistics. It says surpassing even depression. So more people are anxious and fearful than they are depressed in America. Anxiety is the most common form of mental illness in the U.S. It's estimated that approximately 10% of teenagers and 40% of adults suffer from an anxiety disorder of some kind. It's crazy. You know, I think another thing that also, also just stirs up anxiety in our life, if you're on any kind of social media, you can get lost just before you know it, I remember when I was in, even sometimes when I'm getting a message ready or I'm trying to focus in on something, you get a little notification on your phone, you check, and then before you know it, you've been on Facebook for 20 minutes. Anybody ever been there before? Where has the time gone? But there's something about when you start seeing other people's lives, because as I've said before, all social media is is somebody else's highlight reel, and you're comparing your day-to-day -to, -day to someone's highlight all the time, and it can make you feel less than, it can make you feel, well, gosh, they're just conquering the world and look great while doing it. 
And it can begin just to stir anxiety or, oh my gosh, they're, you know, a CEO of this huge company at age 23 and here I am working at McDonald's. What is wrong with me? So there's all different ways that anxiety can raise its head and can try to, to get us to feel down and to get us to fill out. But this morning, I just want you to ask the question, and I pray this week and even this morning that the Holy Spirit would reveal things to you of what condition is your faith in? So I want you to imagine we're pulling ourselves into the garage, and we're going to check our fluids. We're going to check our faith this morning. Because here's the thing in our walk with God. We can never escape the reality of every day, even every week, checking our faith. Because when our faith is down, when our faith is because here's what the lie that we believe, and I've fallen into it, and I know a lot of you have as well, just by talking with you, but we always feel, and we've been told that we can't be happy unless our externals are all good. Everything on the outside, I got to have the right house, I got to have the right job, I got to have the right relationship. All the stars have to align for me to be happy or to, for me to step out in faith. How many of us know it never really works like that? How faith operates and how faith works is usually there's this beckoning or there's this fear. Every time you step out in faith, you're usually stepping out in fear at the same time. But you're saying, my faith is greater than my fear, and as I step out, I'm going to trust God. And then what that fear is, it becomes and it, the fuel to your faith to move forward and to step in to what God is doing in your life. There's something about where you can take that anxiety and that fear and then it becomes fuel as you move forward, as you take risk, as you trust God, as you're in an uncomfortable season, as you're saying, okay, I know every month this is going to come out and this is what my student loans are going to be, but I know God's going to provide the opportunity or he's going to provide the work or he's going to provide a way for my needs to be met because I'm keeping my faith in check. I'm asking God, how, what condition is my faith in? Because if you don't know the condition of your faith, I was telling you a few weeks ago, uh, that me and Bree recently visited New York. It was my first time uh, experiencing Times Square. And uh, the thought just hit my head, man, if you don't really know or have purpose or know what you're wanting to do, Times Square is a perfect picture of telling you this is what you need to buy, this is where you need to go, because it's just all there, and it's trying to tell you what you need to do, trying to market to sell you something to make you feel less than. Anybody ever been to a mall, you go window shopping? You... All you're doing is, man, I do, I'm just here to go to Starbucks to get a coffee. Before you know it, you're walking out with clothes. You're walking out with things you never walked in the store for. It's even funny. You think you look at Kroger and their marketing strategy. They'll put bread and they'll put milk on opposite ends of the store because they're not going to let you go into the front. How awesome would this be? You go in right to the front. You just get everything you need and then you can leave. But no, they're going to send you to both ends of the store and you're going to walk out with more than bread and milk. They know what they're doing. Yeah, it still works, yeah. So the truth is, is that fear and anxiety is always going to be there. But how's our faith going to respond to it in different seasons of our life? And so this morning, I just want to look quickly at a passage of Scripture. And just to give a little context of it, is this is what you're about to see is a hopeless situation. So if you've ever been in a hopeless situation, which here's the thing, look at your neighbor and say life happens. At some point in life, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be death. There's going to be a season where financially things aren't okay. 
There's going to be a season where you are trusting God. There's going to be seasons where your family feels like it's all hornet's nest. So we have to know, how is our faith going to respond when things aren't good? Because it's easy to have faith when things are going well. It's easy to go to church when things are going well. But the, the old saying always is, if things are going good, well, you better prepare when things are bad. That's just the cycle of life. And I'm one, you can decree and declare all the time in the bad seasons, but there's something about you can take it a step further and you can have faith in the good and say, okay, God, fill me now so that I can be prepared for then or so I can step into someone else's chaos and someone else's mess and bring healing. That's the beauty of it too. When things are going well, God might put you in a place of someone else's chaos to bring order and to bring strength. Because how many of you know there's something called borrowed faith? Borrowed faith. Anybody ever borrowed somebody else's faith in a tough time? You know, I think about the, the gospel story of the, the paralyzed, the paralytic, where they cut a hole in the roof and they let the man down. He could not get himself to Jesus, so he had to borrow the faith of his friends to get him to Jesus. So I want to look at this hopeless situation of how they found hope and confidence and how when Jesus steps into hopeless situations in our life, things change. That's where we can sing in faith, every giant will fall, every mountain removed, the change of our past, come on somebody, are broken in two. Aren't you thankful that the change of your past are broken as you sit here this morning? You're not defined by your past, you're not defined by your mistakes. So look at our gospel story. It comes from Luke chapter 8, 41 through 56. I'll read it to you, and I want to pull some truth out. I believe will encourage you this morning. It says that a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. So we see this man is in a desperate place. Doctors couldn't heal his daughter. Medicine couldn't heal his daughter. He was crying out and threw himself at the feet of Jesus, pleading. He was in a hopeless, desperate situation. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she couldn't find any cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. I want to pause there for a second. So you see two different scenarios, two different stories going on right here where Jesus, there's chaos, there's crowds, there's people. Imagine Jesus is there, everyone's surrounding him. His disciples are trying to keep people away so that they can, Jesus can get to his destination. He has this, this synagogue leader coming up and saying, Jesus, help me, my daughter is dying. And so he's trying to talk and deal with this. And then out of nowhere, this woman comes up and grabs the hem of his garment. And so he says, okay, hang on a second, Jairus. I felt power, just leave me. And look what it goes on to say. Jesus says, who touched me? Everyone denied it. They were probably scared. Out. Jesus, we didn't touch you, man. <laughs> Look what Peter said. Master, master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. Of course, someone is touching you. We're trying to keep people off of you. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Something different happened here. Something, someone deliberately touched me, for I, helped, for I felt healing power go from me. In other words, someone touched Jesus in faith. There's difference when you approach Jesus and Jesus, or when you approach Jesus in faith. 
When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. Pause. Now, reminder. Jairus is right here seeing all of this go on. I'm sure just in amazement, like, what's happening here? I'm in a desperate situation. God's touching this. Jesus is touching this woman. What's happening here? And so the woman is, is scared for maybe what Jesus might do. Give a little context. If you had an issue of blood like this woman did, this woman did or if you were a leper in the Bible, I didn't know this, but it, it came about when I was studying, is so everyone would know when that person would go into the town or into the market. For example, this is what the woman would have had to done because it was law, and what the leper would have to done. They would have to go around shouting, unclean, I'm unclean. So people would stay away from them. Imagine that. Imagine what you would feel like having to go get your groceries and make sure everyone knew that you were unclean. Honestly, I think a lot of us can feel that way because we might not be the one shouting it, but someone is shouting it at us. Or they might not be shouting it, but our self-image and our self-worth is quickly to tell us every morning when we, step, when we look at ourselves in the mirror and get ready for the day that your past is still with you. That all these things, you can't go forward. Fear and anxiety has a way of telling you what you can and can't do. What you can't do, rather. And so we see this situation happening. So she was immediately healed. He says, Jesus says in 48, verse 48, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So he took this woman who was trembling and afraid to, to approach Jesus. You know, again, fear and anxiety has a way where you tremble, you're fearful. How's this going to work? And, and even if you look at the women I identify with, when you're going through a tough time, Honestly, a lot of the time, our first place to go is not the church. When we're needing healing or we're needing help, we want to isolate ourselves because the enemy says, so we back away and we get fearful. We put people of faith outside our life. The very thing that could be our healing or the word that we need in that moment is the very thing that the enemy is going to try to strip out of your life. So she didn't know how Jesus was going to respond. And so he says, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. So as all this is happening, verse 49, while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus. And look what he told him. Talk about bad news right here. He says, your daughter is dead. Your daughter's dead. I don't think you could get any worse news in that moment. You know, if I was Jairus, I would think, well, if I could have kept talking to Jesus and this didn't happen, maybe he could have spoke a word and she could have been healed. And so he gets this news. Look what Jesus says. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. Now, in any other situation, you know, I was talking to Jim before service. His daughter, Avery, is nine, so put yourself in the father's place. Nothing, no healing, no medicine could heal your daughter. You would run and do whatever you could to make sure Avery could be healed, right, Jim? And so the same is if you have kids and you, have, you know what you would do, how you would sacrifice to make sure your grandchildren or your children could get what they needed. And so, again, Jairus was in a desperate place. And so we see that Jesus says, don't be afraid. Now, here's what I saw out of this. If the miracle with the woman of the issue of blood didn't just happen, and Jesus, say that never happened, and, Je and he gets the news and he were to tell Jairus, don't be afraid, 
I can tell you he probably would have wailed and cried and, oh my gosh, it's over. But what he just saw, a touch of faith happen, I believe, gave him peace for the news he was about to get. You need to hear this too. If you're keeping yourself isolated away, not in your word, not in prayer, not in church, the enemy again wants to isolate you so when bad news comes, there's not going to be faith that's going to stir up, but it's going to be fear and it's going to be anxiety. And so look what happens in 51. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But Jesus said, hey, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But look what it says in 53. But the crowd laughed at him. Or in other translations, the people criticized him. Because they all knew she had died. You know what I was thinking too? Pause there. Is when faith meets truth... When faith meets truth, sometimes it's going to look silly. Sometimes it's going to look foolish. Sometimes it's not going to make sense. And so people, Jesus was, uh, had a lot of critics. I think we can see that and know that. And so that's why he got the people who didn't have faith out of the room and said, we're going to believe in faith for this girl to be healed. And that's a word for you as well. If you're believing God for something, who's in your ear? Who's your friend? Who do you have around you that's encouraging you? It's important. Look what Jesus said. He shut them down. He got those just crying and weeping and emotions all over the place out of the room, told the critics to say, heck no, get out of here. We're going to believe God for a miracle. Look what he says. My child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Could you imagine seeing that? Then Jesus told them to give her, I love this right here. Then Jesus, because this was just normal to Jesus. This is normal, faith-filled, spirit-filled, orthodox Christianity. And this is the power that we should be walking in as the church. And as I've told you before, we're in a season of where we're, we're taking ourselves, wrestling with the Holy Spirit, and we're asking, God, why isn't there great grace and great power in my life like we see in the early church, corporately and personally? Last week, we talked about irrational generosity, that when we're irrational in our giving and our tithing and our offering, when there's that sacrifice, as we saw last week, then we see something that continues into why they had great grace and great power on their life to, to be able to lay hands on the sick and they would recover where uh, as Peter's shadow healed as he walked by sick people. There's something about when you're sacrificing in your life, not just in finances, relationally, sacrificing in your faith, believing God that he can heal someone even though you know you might get rejected or you might get criticized or the whole, your whole house is, has no faith but you're the only one in faith. You ever been in that position before? You feel like you're the only one in your family who's having faith for anything? Everyone's pulling from you, taking from you, but you're standing in faith and you're trusting God. So again, this was just so normal and Jesus says, hey, give her something to eat. Right. Funny, something funny to say right after. And it goes on to say her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Jim, I think you would be overwhelmed if that happened in your home, not knowing what to do. But what you see even I love here is Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. 
You know, Jesus didn't build his, as we would understand it today, his ministry on miracles. It wasn't a show. He didn't pull people to entertain them and say, let's see who we can heal today. That's not what he wanted people to be drawn to him by. Now, that was a manifestation of love and grace and mercy. But so many times we have a spectator viewpoint of Jesus that if we just simply show up, then maybe a healing can happen in our life. Now, that can happen. But let's go a step deeper and let's engage our faith. Let's practice our faith. Let's exercise our faith. Let's check in on our faith regularly to make sure that our faith is in a place where we can see great grace and great power come and touch our life. And so I love these two miracles here. That the woman with the issue of blood was healed because of a touch of faith and how that touch of faith encouraged Jairus. That is, he just got terrible news I don't think it could be any more of a hopeless situation than a dead child laying there. That somehow he could have faith because the truth is, as Christians, as followers of Christ, hopelessness is never an option. Scripture says in Isaiah that death was swallowed up in victory. That think about it, uh, one of the things that most people in life have fear and anxiety over is death, right? Oh my gosh, I don't know when I'm going to die. I, even fear of the future, anxiety of the future, what's going to happen. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we can have a confidence that you don't even have to feel your own death. That's a blessing in and of itself. That you know God is in control because when you are practicing, engaging, having active faith, following God, doing everything you know to do, pursuing holiness, pursuing righteousness, pursuing the grace of God, then you can have a confidence in your life that everything that happens to me, he's not going to let me down. And everything that happens to me, I'm under the grace of God. So he's working something bigger out of all of it. You know, I just went up to my mom before I came up to share. We had a prayer meeting at our house, and we were praying for mom's arm to be healed. And Bree had felt to pray for her, and God touched her and healed her. And she said that she went home. and Because you know when you get healed, you're like, is it real? I've tested out here. And so she had went home and was laying on the bed. And I think you got up in the middle of the night, you were telling me, and you're like, it feels better, but I'm just going to make sure. So she said, she went up, she went to the bathroom and said, now when I get back, I'm going to lay on my shoulder. And if it is still hurting, I know, okay, I'm going to keep praying. Or if it's healed, I'm going to praise God. And so it was better. It was healed. She said she laid and she, I saw her the next day and she was doing this and there was no pain. And so I went up to her and asked her, hey, would you testify this? But she just told me that, hey, it's, it, there's pain again. So it was better for a while, but there was pain still in my shoulder there. And, you know, there's a, this is a perfect example, and I want to pray for you in a minute again, Mom. But this is a perfect example. When we feel that, man, God just did something, then we're like, we don't want to lose our healing or we don't want to lose our blessing. And in situations like you're going through, this is when, your faith is really tested because faith is always tested. And, you know, I, I just thought about, you know, and Paul in Corinthians, the thorn in his flesh, right? That Paul always prayed for that thorn to be removed. We don't know what his thorn was, but we, knew, we know it was sent by the enemy. Paul recognized that. He went to God in prayer, and Scripture says that it was revealed to Paul the reason the thorn was there. God still didn't take it away. I'm not saying this is your situation because God desires all of us to be healed. That is his perfect will for our lives. 
and I'm going to believe if someone ever comes to me and if someone ever comes to you, I'll believe for healing. But in some situations, and this is something good to know, that if you have a thorn in your life and you're under the grace of God, there might be a greater purpose for it. Gary, I believe there's a greater purpose for your healing as we've been believing for 14 years for your healing and believing and trusting God, that there might be a greater purpose for it. And so I want to pray for you, Mom. If everyone, if you would just stretch forth your hands. And if you need healing in this room as well, I want to believe and pray for you. And Bree, why don't you pray for her? Amen. You know what was neat about this is I believe God laid on your heart, Pam, to begin to pray for her, right? Borrowed faith and how you're still believing and praying for her. So again, all this is just kind of happening and plan this. But it's neat because this is what it looks like to keep moving forward in faith even though there's pain. Because some of you know when you're moving forward in faith, there's always going to be pain still. There's pain in life. Again, life happens, but you continue to move forward in faith. When there's fear and anxiety in your life, you, you still move forward in faith. And so again, the question I asked you before, what's the condition of your faith? Because we can't escape the reality. We can't, because here's again, and, and so with social media simply, is if there's a social awkwardness in, in your life, again, I'm more of an introvert, so if I'm the guy who walks into the room, I'm up going up against the wall trying to lay low, don't talk to me, you know, those kind of things. Even what I'm doing now is stepping out and trusting God. Every time before I ever step up here, I'm very nervous. There's fear that tries to grip me the night before. This happens. But there's something about when you still get up and you trust God and you take the risk, he's always there to meet you with his power, with his grace, when you trust him in that way. And so again, my heart is for you, is that you would ask that question, what condition is my faith in? Where do you feel you're at? You have to check in. And again, with the social media, and this is just an example of what we do in life, because this is what the enemy can use and hide and trick us into it, is when we feel we've been praying, when we've been trusting God, we've been digging in, we've been studying, you've been doing everything you know to do, 
and you still don't feel God answered your prayer. Anybody ever been there before? You might be there right now. And you start to feel it's a hopeless situation. What we tend to do is we escape into something else that gives us an instant gratification or gives us something that we just need. God, I've been believing and I'm done with this. So now I'm just going to get lost and see what everyone else is doing or what everything else is happening. Or man, I'm just going to escape over here. I'm going to isolate myself. The enemy is always good to give you what you think you need. That's even not the will of God, but it can look like it. It can feel good. But how many of us know in our faith, faith is stronger than feeling. And God calls us higher than just what feels good or what feels God. But what is our faith? What does our faith in God say? And the only way you get to know your faith in God is if you draw close to him. That's the only way you're going to get to know how your, how your faith is supposed to act and look and be. I want to share a couple last thoughts to encourage you. And then I want the team to come. And I want us to do that song in faith again that every giant will fall in this room. And I want you to just begin to think, what are giants in your life as you go into the holidays, giants in your finances, giants in your relationships? And let's go before God in faith, not in fear of the situation that we're fearful about, but let's go before him in faith and believe that hope can be encountered in our life. I want you to put Psalms 37 up for me, Sean. This is a beautiful way of what does it look like to walk in faith. And you'll see the scripture behind you, but I just want to pull the points out of it quickly. Number one, through Psalms 37, go and read it when you get home. But it's one, we have to trust him. We have to trust in the Lord and do good. Number two is we have to dwell in the call of God upon our life. The call to be in the house of faith. The call to be in our word. The call is a husband to our family. The call is a father to our children, is a mother to your children, is a wife to your husband. Those are the things he has called us, that there is great weight upon our lives that, again, I've told you before, my job as your pastor is to prepare you and myself when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. No one at Gathering Place Church is going to say, I didn't know. Or, oh my gosh, I put all my focus and success there when really it was here. So one, in order to make sure we're in faith, trust, dwell. Number three is we have to take delight, as you see. Delight in the Lord. What does scripture say? When you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Faith has a way of directing your path. You're fearful of the future? Trust him in faith and watch as your path is directed. Then you're not going to be sidestepping and crippling all the way into your future, but you're going to go confident. You're going to go in strength and boldness and in faith. Number four is commit. Everybody say commit. Commit your ways to him, and again, he will direct. And number five is, you'll see in verse seven, is we have to rest in his ability. There's something as Americans, as hus- when we're always hustling every week, rest can be a hard thing a lot of the times. You know, I try to take Saturdays, and I just sim- practically, I simply say, God, I'm going to rest in you. Whether it's out on the golf course, my second sanctuary, when it's nice out, or if it's a, 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 just getting in a good book for a few hours and filling myself up. There's something about when you take time intentional time and you rest in God and you allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to you and deposit faith into your life. So this week, we're going to check our faith. We're going to trust him. We're going to dwell in him, delight in him, commit 
to him and we're going to rest in him. So I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And team, if you guys would come. I want to pray for you. And I want to ask in faith that mountains will move, that giants will fall in your life, and that your faith would be encouraged. If you bow your head with me, I want to pray. Father, we thank you what you're doing at Gathering Place Church. Father, we thank you that personally we want to ask the condition of our faith. God, open up the door. Show us where we're lacking faith. All throughout the Bible is even as you told the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you well. Or in the New King James, your faith has made you whole. God, we want our faith in you to make us whole. Where no matter what's going on in the externals of our life, interiorly, we can have a peace where we can walk through hell and back and our faith not be shaken. So God, we want to know you the way we see the early church knew you. We want to know you in great grace and great power. And God, we ask right now, I ask in the name of Jesus, that just as the apostles said in the gospels, increase our faith after Jesus has shared, you have to forgive 70 times 70. The scripture later of the apostles right after was, will Jesus increase our faith? God, we ask you right now for every believer on the journey they're at, if you would just lift your hands in a way to receive, just whisper to the Holy Spirit, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Father, that when, as you say, we can with little faith move mountains. If we have faith as small of a mustard seed, we can see you move. But we know it just doesn't magically happen. God, it's a process of walking out and trusting you. So we ask right now personally that you would increase the condition of our faith. That no matter what's going on all around us, there would be such a strength, a sober mind, where our emotions wouldn't run wild when something happens. But God, that we would be spirit-filled, faith-filled, orthodox Christians worshiping you the way that you desire to be worshipped. And out of that, grace and mercy and love will be deposited into our lives, Father. Right now, as we sing this in faith, that every giant will fall, every mountain will move. God, I speak to people's past in here where they feel bound, that the, the chains of their past will be broken in the name of Jesus, that fear, guilt, anxiety, condemnation, despair, hopelessness, bad choices, Father, that you would come and that you would bring healing to our past so that we can move past our past in the name of Jesus. So God, we sing this in faith. We trust you and we believe that our fear is going to turn to faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.